Hey everyone, it's Greg, the Ski Physical Therapist, and welcome back to another episode of the Leggy Ski Podcast. Today I have Alex Lopez, and he is someone who actually did not grow up skiing, but he decided to learn as an adult. Today he shares tips that helped him get started and his story of how he had a complete leg fracture while skiing in the Swiss Alps. From advice to getting started as an adult to rehabbing from a significant injury, I love how he's found ways to persist through the hard things despite the circumstances. Let's welcome him to the show and hear what he has to say. Can you kind of just start off by telling us when did skiing start for you and what did that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm uh, 35 now and I started skiing when I was 31. I grew up in Alaska around a lot of snow sports and skiing, but uh, never really had the means uh, so much to to do that. So uh, I first learned when I was invited on a trip to Zermatt, Switzerland by some friends. And I said, well, I can't ski. And they said, well, we'll teach you. 2019 to 2020, just pre-COVID, uh, I learned how to ski in, in Zermatt, and it was, um, you know, the beginning of this journey. Now, <clears throat> I know a lot of my friends that have started skiing later say there can be a lot more challenges, and, you know, I think as we age, it can be harder to learn a new skill. Did you have any difficulty learning? Yeah, I would say I have, like, uh, mid-level athletic abilities, so I'm, uh, you know, I can, I played sports when I was younger, so I'm okay, but I wouldn't consider myself like a savant at anything athletically, but I did, I do really like the aspect of skiing that I will probably be able to ski for a long time. And also it's just very creative out there. So I learning later, you know, I guess ignorance is bliss. I don't really know what it would have been like to ski as a kid, but I I really enjoyed it. Um, The people that taught me, uh, you know, the first time I went up, we went to a, uh, to a blue so there was no there was no kid gloves in that training called it the beard guy ski school so uh just a guy with a big beard teaching me how to ski so it's been uh you know it was baptism through fire but then i kind of figured it out and now i would say i might be an advanced intermediate or intermediate skier awesome and maybe for someone that is nervous about getting started as an adult, do you have any advice or things that you learned from your experience that maybe you can impart on them? Uh, that's a good question. I think that um, just, you know, I don't know. I think the Marines or some military says this. You can't. And when I first started, I just, I just embraced the suck. Like it's, you're going to fall. You're going to, you know, your butt and your hips are going to be sore. But person. Like my personality is just to just get on something and stick with it. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Skiing can be very expensive. That was kind of the shock of it all. But I think once you get it, uh, you have this winter hobby, whereas before I didn't really have anything like that. So it kind of just opened up a whole new season to activity to me. Yeah, that's why I love it the most, um, especially like in Seattle where it's dark and gloomy. It allows you the opportunity to get out. And if it's raining, at least in the city up there, it's snowing and it can be really like really beautiful and fun. So cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're I'm in North Carolina, so we're not super close to great skiing to say the least. But, you know, we do big trips every year with friends and it gives us the opportunity to to go on those and have a blast. Um, yeah. Switzerland, Wyoming, you know, going to Japan soon. So all over the world. That is so cool. I'm so jealous. I have not been to Europe to ski and I really want to go to Japan. So I'll definitely have to keep following you and seeing what that, what that trip looks like for you. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, fingers crossed for Japan. Yeah. 
Well, <clears throat> one of the reasons I wanted to bring um, Alex onto the podcast is because he has actually a pretty interesting injury history. Um, and I want him to kind of go into some of the details about that. Um, so that way, maybe you can learn something from his story. So yeah, Alex, can you tell us about what happened? Yeah, I'll just jump right into it. So we, we came back to Switzerland two years after I learned and, you know, loved it. Still love it, actually. I just wish I would have got to ski more. I um, It was pretty low-vis day out there. And honestly, I think I probably got a little lazy with it and wasn't on my edges, but it was a pretty easy terrain. We were, you know, it was, it was nothing. I had a yard sale two minutes before and some powder, and, you know, I've fallen couple hundred you know hundreds of times at least in in my life especially while learning and uh one of my skis didn't eject and uh get some really gnarly rotation uh, i believe the ski just caught an edge that i couldn't see and um, i really wasn't prepared with my body to fall even in those split seconds i don't think i was able to prepare like i normally would if i felt it going wrong so i heard a pop um, i'd never broken a bone before so I didn't really know what it was like, but as soon as I landed, I thought something was wrong. And luckily I had some friends around, called them over, and I moved my knee with my hand and the bottom of my boot didn't move. So I had a feeling that uh, something was broken. Um, ski patrol called them, took them about 40 minutes to, to make it to me, which I guess isn't that bad, but they said they had to stop at uh, uh, five or six people because there were so many people just like sitting down and laying down they didn't know who I was so um, they uh, helped me down the mountain it took quite a long time and uh, normally they take people to the clinic and uh, I think I was in such a great deal of pain that they just took me straight to the hospital which was about 50 minutes away um, and down winding roads in the middle of an ambulance from the Swiss Alps so it was uh, it was it was pretty intense overall you know, I should have hurt myself many other times when I was, you know, learning, but this just happened to be the time that I rolled snake out, it felt like. So what was your experience like then? Because you're from America, but you got injured in Europe. So did your American health insurance cover that? Did you have travel insurance? What did that look like? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I had a credit card that was uh, a couple things. The credit card didn't end up being very useful because they try to like get out of most, you know, if it's not exactly within the specifications, they try not to cover it. My my health insurance, I did have decent health insurance and they gave a guarantee of payment to the hospital uh, before I left. And it only took two years and probably 20 to 30 hours of my time to get them to actually pay the hospital. So it was a, it was a real pain in the ass Oh, sorry, pain in the butt. Um, but it was, uh, honestly, the Swiss hospital, I couldn't speak more highly of them. They were great. They, they are experts in this surgery, as you can imagine, um, right in the middle of the Alps. They, they deal with this a lot. The, the hospital was, you know, they're super professional and, uh, you know, all things considered could have been worse. Yeah. So after your injury, did what what ended up becoming of it? Was it a tibial fracture, spiral fracture? Yeah, it was a uh, so it was a spiral fracture, a tib fib they call it. So I broke my tibia in three places and fibula in one in one spot right near the top. And that was uh, you know they said if you break your tib, you're probably going to break your fib as well. So 
typically with that surgery, um, strangely enough, my brother got into a car accident in Alaska um, six months prior to that, and he he had a tib-fib fracture as well. So they put a nail in his leg, and he was allowed to walk like five or six days later because it was only in one place. So they've now figured out that the sooner you can walk, the better the healing. Um, whereas mine broken in so many places that they didn't want to take the risk of me bumping into anything. So, you know, I had, uh, uh, it was, it was six weeks of no weight and then, uh, six more weeks of, um, gradual weight on there. Man, that's, that's really tough. I have to imagine that after you had that injury, you have the surgery and you're over there in Europe, like, it can be pretty devastating, obviously, knowing that one, like, I'm sure maybe the whole outcome of your party changed. Maybe maybe they went skiing, maybe they ended their trip early as well. But just for you, like, what were the mental challenges knowing that, like, you weren't at home and you were in a foreign place and you were injured um, and, and having to sort it out all on your own? Yeah, it was it was pretty challenging. I was doing it all on my phone. So I was in the hospital for four days total. And um just due to the logistics of getting to the hospital from Zermatt, it was, you know, an hour and a half train ride, I think. And we had a big group, so they definitely soldiered on. I wouldn't want, have wanted them to quit, but it was, it was pretty challenging, to be honest. And, um, you know, this was right in the middle of COVID, so visitor restrictions were, were happening. It was, you know, it was, it was hard to keep a positive attitude sometimes. It was over New Year's. I was alone. My wife was home with our child, and uh, it, the funny part is the day I was I was I was considering cutting my trip short to come home because we were fairly certain that my wife had COVID at the time. So I said I'll ski one more day while we're waiting for the test results, and then I got hurt that day. So I was you know she was alone working you know having to take care of our kid and work, and then I was over there. And that was just kind of the beginning of the challenges. Yeah. So I want to go back to kind of this idea of international travel. I know you're going to Japan. So would you have done anything different in terms of like preparing for that trip in terms of like maybe getting health insurance for those that are traveling internationally? Uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it all turned out, uh, it just was a uh, quirk of the Swiss system versus the U.S. system. Maybe I don't have experience with specific travel insurance, but you know, if you do have good insurance, I would say it will probably get paid. It's just going to be kind of a pain. I think I'd rather take that risk rather than the extra outlay. But um, you know, uh, it's kind of a. Uh, I learned a lot about how um, how our healthcare system works. Uh, although it was, you know, ended up being about eighteen thousand dollars versus I can only imagine what it would have been in the U.S. probably about 90 or 100 or something like that so it, it could have been worse there in that regard yeah definitely definitely so you come back home then with all your friends I'm assuming um or was that separate uh we kind of there were you know there were like this is a bigger group so there's probably 14 or 15 people so we kind of split up, but two of them kind of took me under their wing and uh, helped get me there because I needed a lot of help. So um, uh, and we, I upgraded to first class so that I could put my legs straight out on the plane. And they gave me some anti-blood clot medicine, which was like a direct injection into my leg. It was, uh, and I had to do it to myself all the time. It was really interesting. Um, 
and then flew home. The day I got home felt a little weird, tested positive for COVID. Um, and so that was just, you know, everyone in the family had COVID, daughter couldn't go get any sort of care because we couldn't quarantine from her. So it was a really hard month, but it was, you know, my general demeanor is to try to like be strong for everyone, but we were all struggling during that time in particular. We kind of look back on it not so fondly, but, um, you know, we survived and better for it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Those are such tough times. And honestly, it's still, I'm still shocked by like how the world has changed since then. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it was, it was really hard to be in the hospital. I had to share that room with a, an older journal, a German, uh, sorry, Swiss German gentleman and who didn't speak any English about three days through the trip, they opened the curtain between us and I could see this beautiful mountain view. I was just like, Oh my gosh, how did I not have this the whole time? This would have been like a massive health mental health improvement, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's fine. His name was Air Beaner, which I didn't know Air just meant Mr. in German. So, <laughs> Mr. Beaner. So shout out. Um, anyway, yeah. And so, yeah, I came back. I mean, I never want to be injured again. It's certainly given me a new perspective on that because the, the worst, you don't, you take your health for granted in generally, uh, in general. So I, um, I certainly, um, and maybe we'll cover this later, but I certainly have toned back my uh, former style, which was pretty much uh, minimal skill, maximal send. And I, I don't really do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I am the exact same way after my season ending injury, just like you look at the long-term outcomes of like what skiing brings for you. And it's like, yeah, you can have a bunch of fun, like doing a lot of high risk stuff, but when you get injured and you're out for the remainder of the season, it's like the risk for me, isn't worth the reward anymore. So it's got, sounds like you have the same kind of mindset, which is, which is spot on. Yeah, it's just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me anymore. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be out for my kids, uh, wife, you know, I have a lot of business stuff going on. It's just, you know, it was fun and I had never hurt myself before. So I didn't really know how bad it was going to be. So um, I definitely, when I find myself flying down the hill, I usually take an extra couple of turns. So... I want to take a short break in the episode to let you know about my Facebook group, Ski Habilitation. Ski Habilitation is a group I designed for injured skiers to ask questions and find support from others who have gone through the rehab process and successfully gotten back to the ski hill. I know how mentally challenging the rehab process can be, and I wish I had others around me to encourage me and help answer questions when I had my season-ending injury. It is my goal to help you stay injury-free so you can ski until you're 100, so come join the Ski Habilitation today and find out how others are setting themselves up to accomplish this. You can search for the Ski Habilitation Group on Facebook or click the link in the show notes. Thanks for your support of the Legacy Podcast, and let's get back to the show. So can you tell me, after you came back to the States and you started rehab, what did that look like for you? Uh, yeah, so it took me a little, um, you know, kind of, I took six weeks of, uh, sorry, six weeks of non-weight bearing into six weeks of gradual. Um, I tried to, uh, I did, uh, I think about 12 weeks of PT and, you know, super helpful at an athletic minded physical therapist here, Shane Hellman. And he was, 
um, he was, he was great. Um, and he did, uh, we worked together and we did some personal training after the fact. So I, I, I worked out before the following season to try to get back in, in somewhat of a shape. Um, but then, you know, it was, it was really challenging. Stairs in the house are tough. You know, uh, you can't walk with crutches when you're holding a kid. So I had a wheelchair for a while. Um, you know, it was just, just challenging overall, but um, yeah, any other questions on that? I'm, I'm sure I didn't cover it all. It was, I was constantly giving myself ice and trying to, you know, do some working out at home. But to be honest, I was trying to, it was a really busy time for my business as well and our family. So, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, perfect in that regard. Yeah. And I think injuries like that really make you appreciate the little things like the ability to walk and just get around and yeah. do the simple task in life which is, uh, it, it can be very humbling when, when you don't have the ability to do those things and you appreciate it even more. So. Yeah. And it's, it, it really is just, uh, uh, nothing matters if you don't have your health and I, you know, I get so busy with work. I forget that sometimes. And then, then I'm slapped back, you know, uh, get some small reminder, but this one was a big reminder, but, mm. um, I do love skiing. So that's one thing that, as soon as I could get back out there, I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So through the rehab process, did you have any setbacks at all? Um, I mean, yeah, I couldn't lift like, you know, two pounds with my ankle. I, when I started, I was just truly amazed at how, how weak my leg was. It was remarkable. And so that was a mental setback, I'd say that like, oh my gosh, what am I in for? Um, but as far as physical setbacks, not being able to drive, that was probably the hardest part. But physical setbacks, I don't think, I didn't push it because I didn't, um, I didn't want to re-injure. That would be like the biggest, my biggest regret would be to push it too hard. So I, you know, I did what the, I did my PT stuff faithfully, you know, to be completely honest, I probably could have done more on my own. But I, you know, I went to all my appointments, did everything like that and did some stuff at home. Awesome. So let's see, if you got injured, say the winter or the spring, fast forward like a year to the next season, did you build up the strength ultimately to be able to ski again? Yeah, so I, I went to uh, uh, skiing in Vermont uh, the first time and I, it was, it went really well. Um, but instantly I could tell that my quad strength in my right leg versus my left was very imbalanced. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of, I don't, I don't know if my strength is, is imbalanced, but it's just things feel different. And I probably have some compensations in that side. My right side is generally just tighter from heel to hip. Um, even though I work on it often. So it's, a uh, I think that was a, that was a realization for me that I needed to, um, that I needed to keep working on it. So I went to Vermont and then I went to, um, Beach Mountain in North Carolina, shout out. And, uh, then I went to Jackson Hole, which was pretty intense. Uh, some of the runs there were a bit much, but, uh, you know, it was fun still. Yeah, absolutely. I know one of the questions that I often get asked are like, what when do I know I'm ready to go back to skiing? And um, as a physical therapist, I'll clear people to go back. But I'm just very curious in your experience, like when did you when did you know you were ready to go back to skiing? 
Well, I took, you know, doctor and PT advice pretty seriously. And, you know, I was cleared at like, you know, I was cleared to do running, jumping, cutting at like six months out. So that seemed too soon for me personally, because I still had like a good bit of pain. And, um, but, you know, I just took it a little easy. I was pretty nervous when I went back up and I just tried to not send it. So it was, it was just kind of touch and go, you know, I didn't, didn't push it too hard, but then by the end of the day, I was, you know, up to, you know, hitting some low level blacks or some semi, you know, this is in Vermont, mind you. So it's not too crazy, but, um, or, you know, stick to blues mostly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we're kind of ramping up, getting ready for the season. I'm very curious. I know your injury was a few years ago, but do you have any underlying lingering issues uh, related to the leg today that still limit you? Yeah, I'd say this has been kind of, you know, one of the more disappointing parts that I'm kind of still dealing with is that I still have this, um, I had uh, a nail that goes from the bottom of my knee to, you know, almost the top of my ankle. And there were three, three screws in the bottom and two in the top. Now they can take those screws out, which they did because I was having a good amount of pain right in those areas. So it, um, that was done and that helped a good bit, but I still, I still kind of have some pain in my knee and a little pain around those, where those screws were. So I'm still trying to uh, navigate a little bit of the pain and the stiffness. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, from heel to hip, I'm, I am tighter on my right side than my left. And I've always been fairly flexible and worked on that, but it's just something I'm working on. Yeah. And I think after you've been immobilized for a long time, after you haven't used those muscles, it takes a long time for that to come back. And um, I think inherently all of us have asymmetries that we can work through. So um, whether we're working through some of that to try and correct asymmetry, or it's just a matter of just building that strength back, I think it'll come with time. So. Yeah, I, I think it will too. I just, you know, you always want it to come faster. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a, I'm an every man. I, you know, I, I do not like, I am not hopelessly devoted to working out, you know, like I, I want the minimal effective dose, you know, I want to do it, but I also have a lot going on in my life. So I, um, I, you know, I probably could be helping myself more in that regard. Yeah, I think you hit it spot on. You know, I think when we're trying to do something, we we want to be as efficient as possible, especially as a business owner. You don't want to waste a lot of time. And I'm the same way when it comes to working out. So I would say like, yeah, I would love to just help give you advice or anyone else that's listening on advice as to what is going to be the most efficient thing for me as an individual to help prepare for the ski season. And I think for most people, you need to identify like what are your biggest weaknesses and address the biggest weaknesses to know like what's going to help you the most. Yeah. That's absolutely, um, it's just like everything, opportunity costs in life. If you're not, you know, doing one thing, you can't do the other thing. So but I really like skiing and I don't want to get hurt again. So I need to start, I need to be working out more and getting ready for the ski season. But one year, nine months on, I feel pretty confident to get back out there again. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Alex, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing your story and giving some insight as to some of like the things that you struggled through. I know it can be uh, challenging to share those things, but I appreciate it because other people can learn from that story. And also want to thank you for sharing a bit of advice of how you overcame some of the barriers to care. But um, yeah, Alex, if people wanted to, if they relate to your story and they want to get a hold of you and um, be able to maybe just ask you some questions or ask for advice, is there a way that they can do that? 
Yeah. So, um, oh gosh, my, uh, my Instagram is, uh, Alex T Lopez and it's Alex T Lopez. Perfect. Cool. Sorry. I'll also um, take that yeah, down yeah. below in the show, show notes if you want to get a hold of him. But yeah, thanks, Alex, so much. Appreciate it. And, you know, hopefully I say this with all of my like podcast guests that come on, but, you know, hopefully we can get some turns in in the near future because um, it's just so special being able to like connect uh, virtual faces to faces in, in reality uh, doing it while, while doing something we love like skiing. That'd be great. As a PNW guy, I'd love to come back and re-experience, you know, the stuff that I missed in my childhood, all those great mountains. So I appreciate it, Greg. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Legacy Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please share this podcast with your ski community and follow it so you don't miss another episode. Also, if you have a cool story and would like to be featured on the podcast, please reach out to the team. Lastly, if you're interested in working with me, you can book a strategy call at www.meettheskipt.com where I'll help you figure out the next best steps to keep you moving towards your journey of a lifetime of skiing.